and it's spreading like a wildfire in my heart. Sunday morning, hallelujah, and it's lasting all week long. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? It's the rhythm of the gospel. Won't you choose it? You can lose it. There ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. So much so that he was willing to go to the cross of Calvary so that we might have life and life more abundantly. Aren't you glad that Jesus loves you? Amen. Amen. Woo! Praise the Lord. Y'all talking about old church choir, right? I mean, we might ought to do some kind of old church song. Huh? What y'all thinking? Come on, Sherry, tell me a good... 
Yeah, soon and very soon and see. Soon and very soon we are going to see the King. Hallelujah. Soon and very soon we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon we are going to see the King. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to see the King. There'll be no more dying there. We are going to see the King. Hallelujah. No more dying there. We are going to see the King. Hallelujah. No more dying there. We are going to see the King. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to see the King. So very soon and very soon. We are going. Praise the Lord. Sit down for a minute. So good to see all of you here. Glad to be the house of the Lord in this place today. Amen. Aren't you glad that you're a part of the kingdom of God? I know that you see all these uh, OCC boxes, Operation Christmas Child. Uh, next Sunday, we will be um, praying over those as they'll be shipped out. We have packed over a thousand boxes. Amen. Yeah. And so it's, it's uh, exciting. So next week, and I know that it was scheduled for this week, and I asked because several had mentioned that they had forgot, so I'm reminding you that next week we will do a noisy change offering. That doesn't mean that you can't drop some dollar bills in that offering, all right? I mean, they, they drop lightly, but they make a big splash, you know what I'm saying? So next week we'll do a noisy change, change offering to raise funds to help ship these boxes um, but, and we would love your participation to be a part of that. So next week, uh, if you came this week prepared, I, I apologize. But I just want to make sure everyone's aware and everybody's on the same page and we can do this together. So we'll be praying over these boxes next week. Uh, if you, it's, there's still time. If you would like to uh, prepare a box, there are boxes back uh, on the back table to my right, your left. If you'd like to grab one of those um, after service, pick one up. Um, you can talk to Miss Helen Moore. You can talk to um, Kathy Watson and Lydia Harmon, and they can direct you. We already have a room full of supplies that you can do some of the supplies here and then add to that. But we'd love you to participate and be a part of that. You know, uh, from, from my own experiences, I always had this um, uh, wonder of how that worked. But having served in Honduras for eight years and then these boxes coming and blessing church, and what they do is they go through local churches to reach their community, and to see how the pastors use these boxes to reach children in their community for the kingdom of God made me realize that this is a good project. And so, if you uh, if you would like to be a part of that, please grab a box. You know, if you if you don't have the uh, 
the time or the availability to pack a box, you know, it costs $9 per box to ship these. And so if you'd like to make a donation towards that, uh, it would be greatly appreciated. Amen. So thank you guys so much for all those who have labored and, and packed. And for those who've already given, we thank you. And if you have come today uh, ready to do uh, the Noisy Change offering, I apologize. We're going to move that to next week so that everyone can be prepared and have just a big splash next week for OCC. Amen. Will you grab me one of those little cards right there? I just wanted you to stand up and show how handsome you are today. Come on. <laughs> this guy right here, this couple's getting married in about three weeks, four weeks, something like that. Sydney, there's still time to run. I saw I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's going to be wonderful. What a beautiful couple. I've enjoyed meeting with them. Um, Starting next week, we're going to uh, we're going to be preparing for Buy Tree Change of Life. You're going to see some transformation out on the front lawn. We're putting up a tent and going to be setting up like a little, uh, as Paige calls it, the Hallmark Dream Center. Come on, right? There's going to be there's going to be a fire pit to sit around. There's going to be a hot chocolate stand and all that. And so, if you would like to come and volunteer during this event, you know we're going to be. Uh, selling Christmas trees, and as, as you recall, 50% um, of the profit stays locally for local children's ministry, and 50% goes to, there's five different organizations. One of those is Casa Salome in Guatemala, which is an orphanage that uh, I've had the privilege of visiting. And to know that the, the funds are going, 100% of the funds that are made through this project goes to these specific ministries. It doesn't go to administration, administrative costs. It doesn't go to anything. It goes specifically to these ministries. Uh, I'd love you to be a part of participating in Buy Tree Change of Life. If you'd like to come and serve as far as volunteers during that, we'd love that. But also, if you'd like to buy a tree, uh, the opportunity is going to be there as well. It's going to be beautiful. Thank you so much. I appreciate Jamie Sanders for jumping in. Did I say everything okay? Come here, come here, come here. They need, they need to, for those people online who want to hear you too. So, yeah, so the trees are coming in on the 17th, and we are going to be setting up the lot next weekend. So Saturday, uh, in order to keep it uh, organized, we're just kind of handpicking a few people. If you've got special skills in setting up tents, setting up backdrops, um, you know, any kind of setting up counters and stuff, GT's kind of overseeing the setup of it, and Deborah is, uh, Sparkman is overseeing the decorations part of it. And so if you've got specific skills in those areas, you can touch base with them. Um, but then on Sunday, next Sunday, we're gonna have our volunteer training. And so we're gonna need specific people throughout the week to work the lot, and you'll have specific roles. And so we'll need someone that's, you know, really honed in on what the, what the marketing is so we can sell that and we can try to get them to spend more than what we're asking for the tree because um, that's where you really make the most money. And so we're going to have a little training session for everybody in the, in the different roles that will be at the lot, uh, and that will be next Sunday. So right after church, we'll have a, a little short breakout sessions of what the different types of roles are. And then um, the sign-up sheets are in the back, so we will open uh, Saturday the 20th. That'll be our grand opening. We're going to try to get um, some PR going and get some media here and stuff. We'll have a Santa Claus set up and um, the fire and everything. So starting Saturday the 20th, we've got sign-ups for families. And so 
today as you leave, you know, just please sign up and um, pick some a day of the week or whatever in a time. Uh, the biggest thing is like there's three shifts because we'll be open like a, a 10 to 2 and then a 2 to 5 and then a 5 to 9. Uh, be mindful of what shift that you take because knowing that there's a lot of people that work and they won't be able to do those day shifts. And so if you have the ability to work those day shifts, we feel like that's where our greatest need is going to be. So make sure that you, if you can take a day shift, take a day shift. Um, and that's pretty much it. Yep. Awesome. I think Paige has already ordered fake snow to blow. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. There are, hold them up right there. If, if you can, if, uh, grab some of those, pass them out. If you have uh, places where you can go and promote uh, Buy a Tree, Change Your Life, grab one of those, take that, and be a part of that. Ushers, would you come? Uh, did we not have a good time at the Dyer House last week? Come on. What a wonderful time. Just a great time of enjoying the music and fellowship. Uh, Howie, was it fun? Was it, stand up and tell them, was it fun? Absolutely. This guy told me, he said, Pastor, we just had such a blast. And I, I really, you know, if, when we have opportunity to get together, I hope that you will come and join. Um, we actually like each other around here. You know, we have to love each other. I didn't say love each other because we have to love each other. But we actually like each other around here and uh, love you to come out and hang out, get to know each other. Um, is there any golfers in the house? Go anybody play golf? Okay, so I see one golfer. There's another golfer. Um, anybody else? Somebody's got, somebody said, I got clubs. I'm not talking about that kind of golfing. <laughs> I didn't say putt-putt. <laughs> you saw those hands, right? All right, so um, my brother wants somebody to golf with. You come out, all right? Anyway, so glad for you being here. Thank you so much for uh, just being a part for volunteering for participating for just loving each other for making each other feel a part we we love every one of you kim and i are so blessed to be a part of this family and we are so thankful for all of you because you just make this home for us amen and so thank you so much for being uh, a part for connecting and, and and all that you do god bless you well good to have this wonderful couple up front uh, pastor grant and Pastor Kelly, they're just great folks. They're, um, I guess, we'll call it Michigan. I mean, they've kind of Florida, Michigan, California, you know, Michigan. But anyway, I'm, I'm really excited to hear um, Brother Grant speak this morning. He's going to be preaching this morning. Uh, the conference will start tonight. And so there's going to be materials uh, set up. There's going to be notebooks that you'll be able to get, follow along, take notes in. And so it'll start tonight. Um, so tonight, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, we'll be here. Uh, Monday night, for those who would like to come, um, I know that uh, there might be a, a little tight space, but if you'd like to come to my house and be a part of just a Q&A time, we'd love you to come and participate in that. The, uh, you know, it's going to be a, just a good time of just fellowship and, you know, intimacy there. So just come on out and be a part of that. All right? Ready? Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Jesus, that you are alive and well. 
Thank you that you're sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us this morning. And Lord, I pray for everyone that has come in with a need. I pray that you'll just minister to them, God. I pray that today will be a moment where they draw near to you. I thank you, Lord, to see uh, Judith Blue here today who, who lost her mother this past week. I pray that you'll just touch her, strengthen her family, touch her dad. God, give them peace in this time. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that your presence is real, and that we know that we, as we draw near to you, that we can enter into the Holy of Holies. And I pray that today is one of those days where we just let everything go and we just truly enter into your presence and allow your spirit to move in and through us today. God, thank you for every gift, every giver. Bless your kingdom. Let your kingdom be expanded. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. y'all stand with us as we continue our worship this morning is the lord good he is good he is good all of the time hallelujah You are good in the morning. 
you just lift your hands right now and say thank you Jesus thank you Jesus hallelujah hallelujah yes it's all about you Jesus hallelujah
Jesus loves me, this I know. Oh, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Aren't you glad he loves you? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You might be seated this morning. So good to just worship together. My privilege to have Brother Grant Williams with us. And some of you are already familiar with the, some of the studies that he has done. And, and I know that uh, you are, I think Jamie is leading a, a class um, one of our small groups using the materials, and so um, Deborah just happened to be in Michigan and stumbled upon Brother Grant and said, "Hey, wait a minute, would you like to come down?" Of course, she did ask me first, of course. But uh, I, I'm, it's really an honor. I've had the pleasure of spending the last couple of days with this couple and a dynamic couple, great experience, a heart for God, willing to do whatever the Lord lead, go, leads them. And do whatever the Lord says. And so, Brother Grant, it's my pleasure to have you and come. And this pulpit is yours today. Teach us. Share with us, brother. How are you doing? Let's stand. Let's stand this morning. So we're going to put the book of Hebrews up. We're going to read this together to kick off our morning. And I just want to set the stage here for a little bit. In the book of Hebrews, Paul is telling the New Testament church who thought they missed the rapture, they thought they are going through the tribulation, and they were freaking out. Anyone freaked out in the last 18 months? Huh? What's going on, right? What's going on? So the New Testament church knew to ask the question because the Old Testament told them that Jesus was coming, and here's the signs. But they thought that was it, so they're asking Paul. But this is what Paul had to say, and it's very interesting, because I know as believers, right, we've been Christians a long time, so we don't think, you know what, we're fine. We don't need to be cleaned up at all. But it's interesting what Paul said in uh, Hebrews chapter 4, right? Here we go. Everyone together, is it on the screen? It will be. Okay. I'll read it. Here we go. For the word of God speaks. He's alive. He's full of power. Makes it active, operating, energizing, and it is effective. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. It penetrates. It divides the line of breath of your soul in your mortal spirit. Of the joints and the marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing, sifting, and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. So, God's word is like a two-edged sword, right? Most of the time, we would prefer God to speak to us like this. 
God, just cut off a little bit at a time. I'm not ready to give this up. I, know, I, I like to talk like this. I like to think negative. I like to speak death and not life. I, it's just, that's how I was raised. You know, God, just give me some time. It's been 38 years since I gave my life to you. I just need a little more time. Well, you know why I need a little more time? Because you've been using this as God's word. You've been chewing off a little bit at a time. Wouldn't it be great if we could just all lose it at one time? Right? If you want, I love that song. And you know what? You have an anointed and excellent worship team. I've been in, huh? I've been in churches where they've been anointed. I've been in churches where they were good. You got both. You got both. This is excellent, excellent. When you're talking about a chain breaker, God's word is a chain breaker. Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, remember, he's talking to the New Testament church about what they must do in order to be ready. Cut off everything that can hold them back. Because God's word is a two-edged sword. He said, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance. Let us, it literally translate, let's cut off every single unnecessary weight and sin that is readily and clings to us and entangles us and let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course and the race that is set before us. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask an anointing on the message today, your word. Father, I pray for the ears and eyes of understanding to be opened up for people who maybe know these scriptures and they've heard it before. But God, today, today is something else because you didn't ask us to be who we were yesterday. You asked us and called us to keep moving forward to who you have called us to be for such a time as this. So Father, I pray even as right now, right now that people are preparing their hearts for your word. It's not my word, it's your word because it doesn't return void. I pray for lives to be forever changed today. Because it's not they're just hearing the word. It's a don't be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word as well. So, Father, be with us tonight in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. In John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was what? The word. And who is the word? Jesus is the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was with God. And the Amplified, it says, in the beginning, before all time. Before all time was the Word Christ, and the, the Word was with God. We have to understand, when people say, well, I follow Jesus. No, do you follow the Word? I got a, I got a relationship with Jesus, but He is the Word. My relationship is the Word. Well, I got, God spoke to me. Did He speak to you, or does it line up with the Word? Okay, it's not a lot of people jumping on that one. That's okay. It's okay. It's early. It's going to get time. You lost that hour and you still haven't, you haven't rattled yet. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the word, is the same yesterday, today, and when? There is no revisions to God's word. There is, nothing's changed. From the beginning of time to now, there's nothing that's changing. It'll never change. Matthew 6, Jesus said, so... Seek, aim high, strive after for all the kingdom and its righteousness, his way of doing things, his way of being right. And then all these things shall be taken together or shall be added unto you. So don't worry or be anxious about tomorrow. Anyone anxious about tomorrow? Right? Where am I going to put my kids in school? It's going woke. Got to pull them out. It's craziness going on. At my job, what about this? What about that? I got to travel. What do I do? There's anxiousness and worry. What about my job? What if I lose my job? What's going to happen? It's like, no, as long as I stay here in Tennessee, everything's going to be fine. You're in Michigan. That's terrible up there. You're right. It is. But do you know what? God 
God will anoint you for wherever he's called you to go. He will give you wisdom. He says, I will give it abundantly to you if you just ask. So don't worry, be anxious about tomorrow, because tomorrow's got enough worries and anxieties of its own. It's sufficient for each day is its own trouble. I'm going to define things. It says, seek first thing, and then all these things will be added on to you. Things in the Bible means his word, promises in his word. When you look at the word things all throughout Old and New Testament, when it says things, right, and then all these things will be added on to you. Seek every time, every time you hear it, it's promises in his word or things that have already been written. You don't get to make up what the things get added onto you are. You don't get to make it up. That's where people fall. When you hear some false teaching, this is many this and this and this, then this will be added onto you. If it's outside of God's word, they're lying to you and they're setting you up for a fall. The only thing that you need is what God says you need to do my plan and purpose for your life. Don't look at someone else and the things because the promises in God's word are for you. They're for you. You can't get lost in that. It's for you. But I know the last 18 months, people's like, you know what? I wish God would just hurry up with all these things because I want to get out of here, right? I just want to leave. Why can't the rapture happen now? Why? Why? Some people, I mean, when I go around and I teach, I say, you know, but you know what, Pastor Grant, maybe if he could come after this Christmas because, you know what, one more Christmas in Dixie, right? Just one more. <laughs> just the snow. It's snowing in the pines, right? There's all, you start singing these songs and you sing, oh, it's, but it's Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. Jesus, just, can you just hold off just a couple more months and then everything will be fine? But for many of us, we look at what, what's going on, just like the New Testament church at the time when the Romans were killing the Christians and the Jews. The Romans were taxing them, throwing them in prison, throwing them in jail. And they said, wait, isn't this some of what it was supposed to look like prior to your return? So we missed it. Peter told the church in 2 Peter 3, 9, he says, no, the Lord's not delaying. He's not tardy or slow about what he promised. He promised, I'm going to prepare a place for you and when it's time, then I'm going to snatch you out of harm's way. He says, according to some people's conception of slowness. Come on, God, hurry up. This would be a perfect time for you to come, right? I'm tired. I know I'm going to work tomorrow. So come tonight. And we all have our different reasons why we want Jesus to come, right? For he's long-suffering. You know that God's long-suffering for us? You know who Peter's talking to right here? He's talking to the church. See, the unbeliever is not asking, when are you going to come? It's the church. He's long-suffering towards the church. Hmm. He's extraordinarily patient towards you, not desiring that any should what? Perish. And you know what? People like to put a period right there. God doesn't want me to perish. I'm good to go. One saved, always saved. Remember I came to the altar 38 years ago. Never been back. Never been back to church. But, man, he doesn't want me to perish but that all should turn to repentance. Repentant heart. Paul even said, the things I don't want to, Paul, the things I don't want to do, I'm doing. Man, I got to wake up every single morning and cut those things off that could easily hold me back. So it's not God's desire that you go to hell, but is it yours? Because there's only two, there's only two options. There's heaven or hell. Two. There's not a third. What's behind door number three, guys? There's door number three. There's no third option. Here's what Jesus, though, started telling his disciples, you and I, what it would look like at the time of the end and why we would need and why he was sending the Holy Spirit. John 14, these are Jesus' words now. He goes, I've told you these things. What are things? Word, God's promises, promises in his word. Things 
He's already told him these things. So he's been walking with them for the previous 13 chapters. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He's been telling them everything to get ready for the time of the end. In John chapter 5, John, Jesus is telling people, listen, one day I'm going to come back, and if you died righteous, you're going to pop out of the ground. That's John 5. He's recording what Isaiah was saying when he goes, you're going to be are going to pop out of the ground if you've been found righteous, habitually following the commandments of God. So Jesus said, and I told you these things while I was still with you, verse 26, but the comforter, the counselor, the advocate, the strengthener, stand by the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, my place to represent me, he will teach you all things, things in my word. The Holy Spirit doesn't teach you something contrary to God's word. We all know people, and we've probably done it ourselves before, I think God's telling me to do this. Does it line up with his word? No, but I'm special. God speaks to me in a way that no one else really can comprehend. Oh, okay. Hey, okay. Stay away from them. Okay. I'm just, just, I'm just, I'm kind of kidding. All right. He will teach you all things. And he will cause you, oh, this is so big. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He will cause you to recall, bring to your remembrance everything I have told you. Wait, you mean the previous 13 chapters of John, he's going to bring all those things back? No, 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 no. Jesus is the word from the beginning. He's going to recall those things in Genesis, in Exodus. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because if you think that it's, it's, we're in the New Testament, there's something different about God. If he's the same yesterday, today, and ever, what he's done before, he will do again. It's not just jump up and down. It's like, whoa, 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 I'm blessed, I'm blessed. But if you're not following him, that's not good. Because those who didn't get on the ark, those who didn't leave Sodom and Gomorrah, judgment came upon them. And I'm not here to give you doom and gloom. I'm telling you, you you and I live in the most exciting time we are. We are living in the finality of the book of Revelation, which is revealing the other 65 books. God said, I choose you to be here. This is who I want is the end time group gathering people together. I want you to go be my witness, to go be my disciples. That's what I want you to go do it. And for us to go, I don't think it's time. I don't think it's time. No, 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 no. We're skirting our responsibility because he said, I want you to have the Holy Spirit to go be my witness. Verse 27, so peace, I leave with you. Wouldn't you like some peace right now? Yeah, what does tomorrow hold? I don't even know if the restaurants will do it. We're in Michigan right now. I'm not a Taco Bell person. My wife loves Taco Bell. I just, okay, oh, Hawaii. Well, there we go. Our Taco Bells, were, they can't get enough people to work where we're at. They close at four and they open at three. I mean, it's just like, there's just, so she gets a little uptight when she misses that little hour. I go, hey, just relax. Peace, peace, peace I leave with you. Not my own peace I bequeath to you. Not as the world gives to you. Because the world wants to tell you, don't worry about it. Everything will go back the way it's normal. I don't want it to go back the way it was. Jesus said, I'm going to let this stop. The shaking is going on, everyone, and we want it to happen because it reminds us Jesus is coming or I'm not promised tomorrow. I want to be reminded to get ready. I want to do this. Peace, I live with you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be what? Afraid. I'm telling you what's going to happen in advance so you don't have to be afraid. So when people say, oh, I don't want to talk about what's going on. Why? Because then that's fear. They want fear in your life. I'm going to tell you what's going on right out of the Bible. I know Pastor Paul and Kim, and thank you for having us here. I mean, just... Just in the last two days, to hear their heart, you know they love you? And you know what? When someone loves you, they don't withhold anything. 
They don't, you know, there's something about the high five. There's also something about the whack on the butt. <laughs> when someone loves you, there's correction involved in that. He, Pastor Paul and Kim love you guys. And they don't want you to miss it. They don't want you to miss it. Because remember, the rapture is just not for those who are alive at the time. It's for those who already died obedient to Christ. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised tomorrow. So stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Wow, I, I don't think this verse is for today, do you? <laughs> Crazy verse, Bible. <laughs> you heard it. You heard me tell you I'm going away. I'm going to come back, though. And if you really love You'd been glad because I'm going to the Father for the Father is greater and mightier than I am. And now I have told you this before it occurs. He's not just talking about going to the cross. He's talking about the time of the end because the previous 13 chapters tell us that. He's not, he's saying, this is what's going to happen now when I go away and this is what's going to happen when I come back. So if you really love me, so verse 29, and I've told you all of this before it occurs, I don't want to know after the fact what was supposed to happen. <laughs> you know what just happened? Yeah, that was the rapture. Mm, sorry. Should have told you. You know, God's word tells us in advance. You know, there's not just one sign of his returning. There's hundreds. There's thousands of signs that are going on. But I'm telling you now so that when it does take place, these signs, you may believe and have faith and rely on me. Rely on Jesus. And Jesus is who? He's the word. When I see these signs taking place, I can rely on God's word that it is truthful. Jesus is talking about when he goes away and when he comes back, what it's going to look like so we're not caught unaware. Two chapters later in John 16. Jesus said when he comes, he will convict the Holy Spirit. Jesus keeps telling about the Holy Spirit. Well, it sounds like the Holy Spirit's a big deal. Everyone? Well, yeah, speak it in tongues, do it all the time. But you have a changed life. Well, where's that at in the Bible? <laughs> okay. You know, I just noticed certain sections of the church kind of laughing along with me. That's okay. It's all right. It's all right. You know why? Because the, the, the God's word is sharper than a two-edged sword. It hurts sometimes, doesn't it? It's okay. It's okay. We got Band-Aids. There's everywhere. They're Band-Aids. They're underneath your pew. It's everywhere <laughs> underneath the church. First aid kits everywhere. It's just going to be fine. We'll pray for you afterwards. We should be able to have fun in church, everyone. You know that? Because the word says by now, we should be on to the meat of the word. Isn't that a great thing? Meat. I just love meat. Because he says, because you need to get off of the what? The milk. Has anyone invited you over for a milk dinner? Really? Come on over, man. I got like five assortments of milk. You're going to love it. No, meat. Meat takes time to prepare. Meat takes time to chew. And it gives you nourishment and protein for days afterwards. Milk, noon. Now, there's nothing wrong when you first get saved and you were first following Christ. You get that milk in you, right? Because it says, I'm, I'm, I'm a baby in Christ. And it gets that nourishment. But it's, Paul is saying, man, by now, you got to get off of that stuff. Because you're not growing. And every time you hear something that kind of rubs you the wrong way in the natural, you go, eh, it can't be from the Lord. But the Holy Spirit, that's why you need the Holy Spirit. He's going to go, ah, this is for you. 
This is for you. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to convict, convince, and bring demonstration to about sin. That's what the Holy Spirit does. About righteousness and uprightness of heart. And about judgment. Jesus said, I still have many more things. What are things? Word. Promises the word. I got a lot more stuff to tell you guys right now. But you're not able to bear it all. That's why you chop it up a little bit sometimes. You can't just tell everyone, go, here you go. Here's the Bible. Nope. You're fine. I don't need to see you ever again. No, you keep coming, right? Because you process it. You keep processing. You keep learning. You keep growing in the knowledge of who he is. I have more and more things to say to you, but you're not able to bear them right now. You can't even grasp them. Verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. For he will not speak his own message of his own authority. I love this. For he will not speak of his own message. He's not going to speak contrary to what God's word says. But he will tell you whatever he hears from the Father. And he will, this is, this is key, everyone. He will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. The Holy Spirit is not going to speak contrary to God's word. And God's word tells us what's going to happen in the future. Wouldn't you not love to know what's going to happen in the future? I want to know what's going to happen in the future. I want to know. This isn't some type of horoscope thing. No, God said this is what's going to happen in Israel. This is what's going to happen in one world religion. What's going to happen in one world government. This is what's going to have wickedness in high places from government, from education, and the media. I'm telling you it's going to happen so you don't lose it and you don't faint. Because you're going to have peace that night if you know what's coming. Amen? All right, you guys are warming up. I can tell. It's going to be fun. Luke 21 Jesus said, the time's going to come when you shall not be left here. One stone unturned, they'll be thrown down. And they asked him, teacher, when is this going to happen? When, when you come back, when's all this stuff going to take place? What will be the signs? He said, be on your guard and be careful that you're not led astray. Who's he talking about? His disciples. He's telling his disciples, be careful, you're not led astray. He didn't tell the people who are unbelievers who are not following him. He said, oh, be careful. No, they need to know that Jesus is the way. He's telling people who've already said Jesus is the way he goes, but there's going to be people come that are going to speak something contrary to my word. And that's why you need the promised Holy Spirit. Because he's going, that's not right. That's not right. That's not right. And they're going to tell you, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. No, it's not. Because if you're not in the ark, it's not okay. The ark is being built in the church and no one wants to talk about it. Oh. I don't know what row of the ark they're on right now, but it's getting there. You know when the animals were coming on the ark? There was a clue, right? Okay, the ark is built. Everyone knew it. We're going to talk about this in a second. I want to get ahead of myself, but I am. It's okay. You couldn't really miss the ark being built, could you? <laughs> Football field long, 100 feet tall. And now all of a sudden you start seeing the animals come through town. For 100 years, Noah had been building this ark. He, it wasn't behind People saw it. Hey, what's going on there? Hey, it never rained. Why would you build this? It never rained before. That's, that's, it's kind of crazy. You know that for 120 years he was preaching that judgment's coming? 20, year, 20 years after he started preaching, then he starts building the ark. Then the animals start coming in. I would say right now, animals are coming in that ark. We should be able to hear and smell what's going on in this world. That's discernment right there that the Holy Spirit will give us. Matthew 24, synoptic gospels, this is what Jesus said. 
when you see these things, things in my word, King James says, well, you have signs, and King James says things, all taken together, coming to pass. Not after they've passed, not at the moment they pass, but they're coming. Do you not see some things coming that were in the Bible? How about a one world economy? Do you see that coming? Oh, here we go. Oh, boy, here we go. All their end time stuff. Yeah, Jesus is coming. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's one world religion. Bit, I don't know. Yeah, they're building it right now. In Abu Dhabi, right now. United Religion. They're doing it right now. Okay, I know. Brothers, buy, sell, or trade. He said, you'll see it coming. You may have to get vaccinated to buy, sell, or trade. The vaccine is not the mark, everyone. It's not the mark. But he says, you'll see it coming. Whether or not you got vaccinated, that doesn't matter. People have been vaccinated before, but it's a sign in order to buy, sell, or trade. You've never had to have anything to buy, sell, or trade before, to travel. But he said, you'll see it coming. Because if it's already passed, you missed it. <laughs> when you see it coming, all taken together, Israel being surrounded, one world kind, one religion, everyone going, stop, 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 it's so confusing. Holy Spirit, give you peace. That's it. He's just telling you we're almost out of here, everyone. That's it. He isn't trying to scare you. He's trying to prepare you. Man, you live differently when you know it's coming. You do. (laughs) Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56. You know, when people say you can't know when Jesus is coming, you don't know the day or the hour, but he says you'll know the season of my return. Why would he command you to know the signs if you can't know them? I command you to know him. What? What do you command to know? Everything in my word. I, I told you in the beginning what's going to happen at the end. I don't get it. I don't, I don't think I can do it. But here's Isaiah. You know that Isaiah is a prophet. The biblical definition of a prophet is someone who foretells the future and they're never wrong. Never. A lot of prophets on YouTube right now. A lot of prophets. Right? A lot of prophets. Pretend. You can't even make single A baseball two for 10. But they're calling themselves prophets because they guessed 10 things and two of them are right. They live in Florida and they said it might be sunny tomorrow. That would be their one prophetic thing. (laughs) Number two, what they're having for dinner. It was prophetic. There was only one thing left in the fridge and he prophesied that. It's like, be careful who you're listening to. A prophet... Biblical definition is never wrong. 1828 Webster's Dictionary, which is based on the definitions of the Bible, a prophet's never wrong, never. You know why they're called prophets in the Bible? They're proven never to be wrong. There are things that they've already said that have already come to pass to establish we can trust them for the things that they've already spoken that have yet to come in the future. Because the Holy Spirit will remind us of things that the prophet said about the future. He'll call those into our hearts and he'll give us peace about what's going on in the world. Okay, that was good. It's all right. It's going to hit you later. It's going to go, oh my goodness, all right. Wow. Isaiah 56, 9. This is what's going on in churches. Not this church. I know, we've been talking. But this is what your family and friends are battling in other churches. Isaiah, the never wrong prophet Isaiah, speaking about the end of time, he says that the watchmen, the pastors now, they're blind. They're like without knowledge. They're dumb dogs that cannot bark. I can't believe you just said that. No, I'm just reading the Bible. Isn't that great when you can just read the Bible? You can be very heavy on the Bible. I would rather have you be angry at this than me. 
right? See, it's easy to stick with. I'm just telling you, stick with the word, and I'm telling you. He says, Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Don't try to be hated for saying something that you want to say. Be hated for the word's sake. <sighs> they can't bark. They dream. They lie down. They love to slumber. The next verse is not under. It says, because they're greedy. They don't want to tell you what's going on because you might freak out. I don't like what he has to say. Hmm. Remember, if your pastor loves you, there's correct. There's correction. They will tell you things that you don't want to hear. And if they're sticking with the Bible, it's not them. It's God telling you things that you don't want to hear. And the things that you don't want to hear, you would rather rip the Band-Aid off and get this, at one failed swoop, right? And then instead of a little every single day, no, get it all off. Just cut it all off at one time. Just get rid of the sin that easily besets you and the doubt and the fear that's in your life. Matthew 24, 36. This is Jesus now. The exact day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the sun. Jesus has, he doesn't even know the day or the hour. He's just waiting. Is it time? Is it time? Is it time? Is it time? No, is it time? Is it time? Can you see Jesus? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father right now. Ugh. You know, God gets up and makes a move. He goes, oh, oh, he got me. Okay, okay, okay. God goes, hey, I'm just getting up to stretch my legs. Okay, okay, okay. Jesus, like, anytime. Because why? He wants to meet us in the clouds. Jesus is waiting for the, can you guys imagine? Like, he looked up and it's like, oh, there's the clouds. Look how beautiful the clouds are. Can you imagine? The clouds part. And there's Jesus. And there's, a, there's angels up there blowing horns. And you're like, oh, huh. I wonder what's going on. And you just shoot up. And then next to you, all of these people who have died righteous before you, they just start popping out of the ground. Right? Just going everywhere. And you're looking around like, oh, wow, they're dirty. And then you just, then your mind goes, oh, wait, hold on. We got, we're going to worry. We got glorified bodies. We're all these new guys. All of a sudden, you guys, nothing else will matter anymore. Anxieties and fears from tomorrow that you're thinking about right now, they're gone. Well, that's escapism. No, that's the Bible. That's the promise. We're not escapism if we believe the Bible. Oh, okay. Here we go. Verse, uh, verse 37. Remember, they're asking Jesus, what's it going to look like? What's it going to look like when you come back? If you're going away, what's it going to look like? As in the days of Noah, so will be the Son of Man coming in return. For just in those days with the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, Women are given in marriage until the very day when Noah went into the ark. Now, that right there is not a lot of insight into what it's going to look like prior to the rapture. People are going to be married. Oh, okay, that's a big tip-off. Thanks. They're going to be building, buying, selling, right? Right now, in the last year, most of your houses have probably doubled in value, right? Well, the market just shot up, right? And you're thinking, hmm. You know what, God? If you want to hold off right now, that's fine. I got a little more money in my pocket than I ever thought. My, my net worth just went up and skyrocketed. Building, buying, and selling isn't a tip-off. He's saying that's not going to be a sign. Life is going to be going on. Just as we had mask mandates and all these different things going on the last 18 months, in the last 18 months, when no one could travel, no one could go out to eat, people were moving from state to state. Where's freedom? Where's freedom? You know that people are still building, buying, and selling? So that's not a sign. He said, everyone's going to be building, buying, and selling. So you can be lulled to sleep if you're looking for the market crash. That's the sign. It's not the market. No, it's not a sign. The Bible says so. Verse 39. 
But they did not know or understand until the flood came. Uh-oh, there's the after, right? Here's the signs that are coming. He said, they're not going to understand until after it came and swept them all away. That's what the coming of the Son of Man is going to be like. Because at that time, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be working at the mill and one will be taken one will be left. So watch, therefore, disciples... Give strict attention to, be cautious, be active, for you do not know what kind of a day, whether near or remote, your Lord is coming. But understand this. Had you known in what part of the night, whether the night or the morning, the thief was coming, you would have watched and you would have not allowed your... If you knew the season of his return, you wouldn't allow this to happen in your house. So be ready, therefore, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you don't expect it, when you do not know the signs of his return. Isaiah 46, 9. So you have, as in the days of Noah, and in the Synoptic Gospels, in Luke 17, Jesus talks about as in the days of Lot as well, as signs to the New Testament church. So Isaiah 46, the never wrong prophet said, remember the former things of old. I'm God, there's no one else like me. I've declared the end of time from the beginning. And then from the ancient times, there are things, prophetic things that are not yet done yet, right? So those things that have been already accomplished prophetically to establish that the prophets are never wrong. And then there's some other things that have not yet happened in ancient times, but I've already established they're never wrong, so go read them. We know that Peter, Paul, Jude, and John always referred back to the prophets and said, you guys, you didn't miss the rapture, but here's what it's going to look like. Go read the prophets. Jesus said, go read Daniel. They all referred back to the Old Testament. But now since Jesus said, let's go look at Noah, let's go look at Noah. You know that Noah, when he started building the ark, he was 500 years old, right? I'm 52, and I don't want to think of building an ark right now. <laughs> 500 years old, right? He's, just, he's kicking back. He's just, guys remote in his hands. What do you want me to do? What, what, what do you want me to do? I want you to build an ark. They didn't have power tools. No, no power tools. They just had a little knife. They're just whittling away. Just, what, do you, how, what do you want me to do? How, what's the size of this thing? Genesis 5.32, Noah was 500 years old. You know, just a couple of verses prior to this, you know that Enoch was raptured? Enoch was raptured. Enoch was raptured or translated. Just a couple verses earlier. First rapture in the Bible. But Isaiah said, I in the beginning what would happen at the end. Now we have Noah. And the Lord saw how wicked, remember, Jesus said it will be in the days of Noah. Genesis 6, 5, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great. Do you think the wickedness of man is great right now? Huh. As in the days of Noah. And that every imagination and intention of all human thinking was only evil continually. Pastor Graham, when are we going to get to the upbeat verses? Oh, they're right here. I just want happy. The Lord regretted that he made man on the earth. Well, we're getting, sounds like we're getting worse here. Mm -mm, he was grieved at heart. Oh, boy. Don't ever worry. There's a hallmark ending. It's going to be fine. So the Lord said, <laughs> this is where they're both exchanging stories. And, oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. So the Lord said, I will destroy. I'm going to blot out. I'm going to wipe away mankind, who I'm created for the face of the ground. Not only man, but the beasts and the creeping things and the birds of the air. For it grieves me, makes me regretful that I've made them. But Noah, but Noah found grace and favor in the eyes of the Lord. 
Why? As you'll find and you start reading about Noah, it says he was habitually, he was find habitually righteous. It was his habit to be obedient to God's word. It was interesting. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect. How many here are perfect? <laughs> There's some people who really want to raise their hand right now. I could just tell. <laughs> Man, if no one else could watch, if you had made us close our eyes, I'd raise my hand right now. It says when we get to heaven, we'll be just men made perfect. Enoch was raptured, and it says he was found habitually righteous. It was his habit to do according to God's word. I'm not giving you an out. I'm not saying, oh, just keep sinning because grace covers it. No. I'm saying, is it your habit to be obedient to God's word? The Bible says in verse 9, so this is the history of the generations of Noah. Noah was a just and righteous. He did what was right. Blameless in his evil generation, Noah walked away. Habitual fellowship with God. It was his habit. And Noah became the father of three sons. We're going to talk about that during our conference this week. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the earth was depraved and putrid in God's sight. And the land was filled with violence, desecration, infringement, outrage, assault, and a lust for power. Desecration, interesting. Desecration is the act of diverting from a sacred purpose. Hmm. Infringement. And violating, non-fulfilling treaties or agreements or constitutions. Okay. Remember, he's not just talking about in the spirit realm. He's also talking about in government, media, and education. What is the definition of wickedness, and what is it going to be like at the time? It says people will sign agreements, constitutions, governments, and they will be wicked. They'll go contrary to their people that, hmm, you know, it's, it's important. It's important how you vote. Oh, two people. It's important how you vote. Because when the righteous rule, the people what? Rejoice. I'm not trying to make a political statement. I'm making a biblical statement. Who's for life? Who's for Israel? I mean, it's just very simple. Everything we do in word and deed, do it all in the name of the Lord. Everything in word and deed. Outrage. Says this, it's going to be depraved. It's going to be putrid. Excessive abuse. Wanton mischief. Rude, abusive language. Contemptuous words. Loss of civility. Assault defined in verse 11. An attack. An assault upon the prerogatives or prince or upon constitutions of their government. Jesus wasn't saying, oh, I guess it's going to be like in the days of Noah. He was very intentional because God's word tells us what the days of Noah were like. Specifically, and it's not just verse 11. So verse 12, God looked upon the world and saw how degenerate and debased it was. It says they lost the ability to judge, that's Romans 1, and vicious. For all humanity had corrupted their ways upon the earth and lost their true direction. God said to Noah, I intend to make an end of all flesh. Through the men of land is filled with Hamas. That word translated into Hebrew is called Hamas. We'll talk about that this week as well. Make yourself an ark. Wait, who has to make it? Verse 14, make who? Make yourself. You know that to follow Christ, you have to do stuff? He didn't say, hey, Noah, sit back and watch. I'm going to build an ark for you. Don't do anything. You know, the very fact that Noah built an ark in front of all those people, that was a witnessing tool right there. Because by faith, by faith, he did it. The Bible says in Genesis 7, 6, when he was 600 years old, for 100 years he built that ark. 
There was no promise of when that flood was going to come. There was no promise. But he remained faithful for 100 years. The Bible says 20 years prior to the 100 years, him and Methuselah started preaching judgment. 120 years, you're preaching judgments coming. 120 years. You think after two years, people go, okay, let's skip on to something else. Right? Oh, book of Revelation again. We're not even talking about the book of Revelation, are we? Because the whole Bible, Revelation is just summarizing the other 65 books. It's just all the stories of the other 65 books. And Jesus said, as in the days of Noah. Jesus didn't go, as in the days of Revelation. He said, as in the days of Noah. And then John capsulated, he goes, all this stuff everyone's been talking about, this is what the angel wants me to tell you. So for 100 years, not knowing when the end was coming, he was found faithful doing what God called him to do for 100 years. 100 years. Remember, Jesus said building, buying, selling, everything's going to go on as normal. You know, the least amount of people that were estimated that were alive on the face of the earth at the time of the flood was 8 billion people. 8 billion. That's the low end. How many people got on the ark? Eight. Eight. Isn't that interesting why Jesus said, don't be deceived, don't be duped? To the church. Everyone saw the signs. Only eight people decided we're doing this. So Noah, the righteous man, God spoke to him. He's found faithful up until the end of what he was called to do in building that ark. That ark was 450 feet long, 75 feet tall, 45 feet wide. Everyone saw it. Everyone can see what's going on in the world. I don't care if you're a believer or not. If you know the Bible or not, you know something's up. You know something's taking place. You know something's being shaped. You may not want to hear about it. You may be twisted about what's going on. You may be in an isolated, and you say, you know what? I've already bought a, quant I've already bought a silo in Iowa. I'm, I'm fine. I'm just going to be buried underneath the ground until Jesus comes back, and I don't want to hear anything else. But how can you be a disciple if you hide away? How can you go make witnesses if you, if you don't know what's going on? But I'm commanded to know what's going on, but if I don't want to hear about it, well, can I, how can I talk about it? For the hope that's within me. I can't. I can't even speak to it. Ecclesiastes 1.9. The thing that has been, the wisest man ever said, it shall be again. Isn't it interesting? You all think well, our lives are so different than anyone else's, right? No one understands me. He goes, there's nothing new. The thing that has been, it's going to be again. That thing which is done shall be done. There's nothing new under the sun. The wisest man ever says, there's nothing new. Jesus said, go back, look at what happened to Noah. Look what happened at Lot. Why? Because I don't change. There's nothing new. If you're obedient, you spend eternity with me. If you're not, you don't. It's heaven or hell. Two options. Two options. Oh, by the way, there's man and woman too. There's just two options. Why do I say that? God doesn't change. In churches across this country, they don't want to talk about that anymore either because they don't want to offend. You know the Bible's offensive? <laughs> Wait, why do you? Oh, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Oh, oh. Hmm. No, it feels like a Nerf ball. No, it's a sharper than a two-edged sword. There's a reason. It's, we're supposed to feel it. We're supposed to feel it. 2 Timothy 3, 
Paul's telling Tim, Pastor Tim, time of the end. You may as well know this too, Tim. I love this. That in the last days, it's going to be very difficult to be a Christian. <laughs> People will think nothing of immorality. They'll be rough and cruel and sneer at those who try to do what is good or righteous. People will sneer at it. Hmm. So we know what's going on in the world. We'll talk about more this week. One thing was telling Pastor Paul, you know, 2005, then-Senator Biden, at the confirmation hearing of Justice Roberts, 2005, you can watch on C-SPAN, he said, you know what, in your tenure on the bench, you're going to have to decide that lawful for a United States citizen to take a chip in order to buy, sell, or trade. You know that God's not trying to sneak up on anyone? He told us from the beginning what would happen at the end. He said, there's signs that are going to be taken. This is a one-world economy, a cashless system in order to buy, sell, or trade. It's open for all to see. This has been going on. It's going to continue, and more and more signs are going to continue to take place until Jesus comes back. 2 Peter chapter 3. <laughs> oh, Pastor Grant, you're getting fired up for no reason. Everything's going to be fine. Hmm? It's only going to be fine if you make the rapture of the church. Or if you die righteous, right? I mean, my mom recently, um, she was diagnosed with cancer. It's her second bout. She had portions of her tongue removed. And uh, when I was taking her to the doctor's appointment for her surgery last summer, I said, Mom, what can I pray for you about? Godly woman, just awesome. My dad was a pastor. Just, you know, just faith-filled people, healing and everything. Boom, boom, boom. Just speaking a word over everything. She said, you know... We're in the car driving. I said, no, aside from, I, I know you want to be healed. We're going to do all that. But what, like, what's on your heart? What's, what's, we're on the way to the surgery. It's like a six-hour surgery. It's a big deal. She said, you know, I always wanted to go up in the rapture with the ones who are alive. I want to see it. I want to see every single thing that the Bible said would take place. She goes, I want to see it. She goes, we're living in such an exciting time. She's 82 years old. And she goes, I've seen a lot, but I've never seen anything like this. She goes, we are actually living the Bible, and we know it to be true. So beloved in 2 Peter, it's talking to the church. They thought they missed the rapture. They thought they missed it. They thought they missed it. They thought they were in the tribulation. He goes, I'm writing you a second letter to stir up your mind. Verse 2, that you should recall the predictions of the holy who? The prophets. He's telling the New Testament church, you better go read the prophets again and the commandments from the Lord and Savior because Jesus said, I told you these things in advance. Because to begin with, verse 3, you know that Peter's talking to the church? Talking to the church. To begin with, you must know and understand this, that there's going to be scoffers and mockers in the church. In the church. In the last days, scoffing and walking after only their fleshly desires and say, where is the promise of his coming? See, the world doesn't know about the promise of his coming. The church does. And the church doesn't want to hear about it. Forty years ago, we talked about the coming of Christ all the time. And the closer we get, now we don't want to talk about it. Why? Because the closer we get, we know judgment's coming. We don't want to talk about sin, judgment, or righteousness. Don't mess with my life. Don't take out that sword ever again. I'm fine just the way I am. Who told you that? I had a dream. Not the Holy Spirit. Maybe you had pizza before you went to bed at night. I had a lot of good, oh, I have beautiful dreams when I do that. Where's the promise of his coming, verse 4? Since the forefathers fell asleep, right? We're still building, buying, selling. 
Who cares? All things have continued exactly as they did from the beginning of creation. For they willfully, this is, oh, church people, willfully look and forget the fact that the heavens came into existence long before by the word of God. You know that God created everything? It wasn't a big bang. The church is forgetting that if God created it, God can destroy it. No, let's save the planet. Do you know that God's going to fire this all thing off to fry it again? And then we're going to start over again? I'm not saying on your way home tonight, empty the car out in the expressway. I'm saying is a one world government and religion is trying to say, we can say this is Genesis chapter 11, Tower of Babel. But God is telling the church, listen, stop getting sidetracked. Go make disciples and be a witness. This thing's gone anyways. It's all gone. Your car, your house, everything, it's gone. It's fried. It's done. No, not my house. Lord. Please save my house. No. I'm gone. I'm in the rapture. Boom, boom. Seven years we're eating in heaven. No carbs. We don't have to count carbs. It's incredible. <laughs> eh? The side woke up. I love it. There you go. No carbs? <laughs> Through which the world then existed and was deluged with water and perished. He said the church is going to be willfully ignorant that God destroyed the earth before. He destroyed it with the flood. He's not going to destroy it with the flood again. He's going to do it by fire. I'm going to skip a little bit. We're back in the note, um, back in the Hebrews 11, a couple of passages forward. Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. It says, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of things we hope for. Things are what? God's word. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, that is the things that we do not see in the conviction of the reality, faith perceiving a real fact, what is not revealed to the senses yet. Do you have faith in God's word even though you don't see it happening yet? I have faith to believe that Jesus is coming again even though he hasn't come back yet. I have faith to believe because I see these nations being surrounded that Jesus is coming. I have faith because I'm going to live righteously because I have faith that God is a rewarder of those who, who seek him. I have faith that if I don't live righteously, that I'm going to spend eternity in hell. Do you see what that is? That's faith in that who he is. If you don't have faith that there is a hell, you don't care about living righteously. But if I have faith that God's word is true and there's a heaven and a hell, and I get to choose which one I go to by how I live my life. That's how important living by faith is. James 2.26 talks about faith. It says, for the human body apart from the spirit is lifeless. So faith apart from its works of obedience. It's not acts. I got to go rake someone's lawn to prove I have faith in God. No, he says, do you have faith in me? And you'll know by your acts of obedience according to my word. If you're, according, if you're obedient according to my word, that means you have faith in me that I am a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. Hebrews 11.6, but without faith, it's impossible. Without the acts of obedience, it's impossible to please God. I have faith, but you're not obedient. Yeah, but I speak in tongues. It doesn't matter. You don't walk in obedience with God's word because he would remind you about sin, judgment, and righteousness and things to come. If you knew about things to come and there was a heaven and hell, you would treat your spouse differently. You would raise your kids differently. For whoever would come near to God must believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder. So prompted by faith, Noah, I love that, Noah. Noah being forewarned by God. He had to have faith. 
concerning the events which were not yet visible to him. It's never even rained before. And you said, you're going to wipe out everything from a flood? He took, he diligently and reverently constructed. He built it, remember? He did it. He changed his life and prepared an ark for the deliverance of his family. You're living your life not just for you, but for others around you. That's called being a witness. By this, his faith, which relied on God, he passed the judgment and sentence apart from the world's unbelief and became an heir and possessor of the righteousness. Those things are being right into which God puts the person who has faith. Noah did what he was supposed to do, and everyone saw it. He didn't know the time or the season of the what God was going to bring that flood, it never even rained. But when the ark was being completely built, that last piece of gopher wood was going on, the animals were coming on. You know, Noah got a sense that it was almost time. The animals aren't going to stay on that there long without, you know. The Bible says then Methuselah died. Methuselah was 969 years old. He is the, the person in the Bible who lived the longest ever. Methuselah's name meant when he dies, judgment comes. You know how gracious God is? He chose the person to live the longest. Because 2 Peter 3 said, it's not his desire that anyone should perish. He is so patient with us. But at some point, God says, it's over. I've given you enough signs. It's over. He died for seven days. They mourned Methuselah, and then the flood came. I'm going to close with the never wrong prophet Jonah. I'm going to give you a little contrast to what happens when followers of Christ, supposed to be obedient to God's word, go make disciples, go be a, a witness. You guys remember Jonah was supposed to go speak to the people in Nineveh. They were wicked. You guys remember that? They're bad. The prophet, the prophet, the job of the prophet is to warn people judgment's coming, right? Ezekiel 33 says, I got to tell people it's coming because the blood's on my hands. So Jonah, the never wrong prophet Jonah, he goes, you know what? I don't want to do it, God. I don't want to tell anyone about judgment's coming. What happened to Jonah? What happened to Jonah? He got swallowed by a whale. Next time you don't want to witness to somebody, remember. Don't go in the ocean for a while. Just, just, just kick back a little bit. He was swallowed by a whale regurgitated back up on the beach. Rabbinical teaching history says he was on the beach. People saw him regurgitated on the beach. Can you imagine sunning, just laying on the beach, kicking back? Going to southwest Florida for the, you know, for the winter. Ah, just in Naples, kicking back. A whale just kind of strolls up on the beach. A guy comes out. Jonah just kind of shaking. Oh, 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 that was nasty. Where are you going? Gotta go to Nineveh. He didn't want to do what God had called him to do, even though that was the definition of who he was supposed to be. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you know what our definitions were supposed to do? Go make disciples, go be my witness. That's what Jesus said. I send you the promised Holy Spirit, empower you to go do that. But Jonah, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. He just got regurgitated out. Noah, one more time, go to, know, go to Nineveh, the great city, and preach and cry out what I'm telling you to preach. Jonah rose and went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. 
It was three days' journey across. To get across Nineveh, it took three days. Nineveh's in Iraq. Today, that's it's in Iraq. Three days across. That's a pretty big city to walk it, three days. Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey and cried, in 40 days, Nineveh's going to be overthrown. 40 days. The first day, he's walking into the city. It's three days across. First day, he's got to say, what. you know what? Prophets in the Bible were not the, the number one people on the list to invite to a party. They didn't call it the party of the prophets. It's just like, oh, boy, you guys are always talking about doom and gloom. No, they were warning people, judgment's coming. I want to be warned about judgment's coming. But he goes, I don't want to warn them. They deserve to die. I don't want to witness to them. I don't want to go make disciples. They deserve to die. But now he goes, in day one of a three-day journey, he says, in 40 days, you're all going to fry. You're going to die if you don't repent. 40 days. Verse 5, so the people of Nineveh believed in God. Wait, people. All he says is judgment's coming, and they all believed. And they proclaimed a fast of sackcloth. From the greatest to the least of them, all of a sudden, the whole city, and it would take three days to get across, day one, you know why? Oh, verse 6. For the word came to the king of Nineveh of all that had happened to Jonah. What had happened to Jonah? He was a prophet. He was supposed to warn people. He didn't, was thrown overboard, and a whale swallowed him up. Why? God judged the prophet. God judged the one who was supposed to tell people judgments coming about sin, judgment, righteousness, and things to come. He didn't want to tell anybody, and a whale swallowed him up. And God said, do you want to pay attention to me now? Do you want to warn people? Yes. Boom. The king, a wicked king, said, if God will judge those who are supposed to be walking with him, imagine what he's going to do to us. And it didn't take the wicked people to understand, ah, 40 days, 39, let's, you know what, let's party like it's 1999 for 30 more, 39 more days. It said they immediately repented. Even though they knew they had 40 more days, they immediately repented. And he made a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king, let no man be, let them not even feed or drink of water, but lest man be beast covered with sackcloth and let them cry mightily. Let everyone turn from their evil way. Let everyone repent. Let everyone repent from the violence that is in their hands. God may turn and revoke his sentence against us. God saw their works, their acts of obedience. And he turned from their evil way. He saw that they repented. Why do I bring that up? Noah, not knowing when judgment was coming, was found righteous for a hundred years. Not knowing. Do we know the day or the hour of Christ's return? No. But do we believe that there's judgment coming and we're not promised tomorrow? Because the people in Nineveh, they knew the day of, the, of judgment. They knew the day. But they repented immediately. Immediately. Many in the church want to talk about when is the rapture. Let's head to the rapture. Maybe it's 42 months in. Well, I don't have to live right until 41 months into the... They want to believe it's mid. It's post-trip. You know what? 
Today could be your final day on this planet. Noah was found habitually righteous because he didn't even know. But he knew the signs. That ark was being built. Those animals were coming in. And then when you look at Jonah, you and I's responsibility is to go make disciples, go be a witness. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to tell people judgment was coming. God shook him. And you know what? God can shake you and I still. He said, you know what? It's not about you. If you're okay, go be my witness. When people see that you have peace about what's going on, regardless, don't get caught up in, well, I think it could be in five days. So in four days, I'll get right with Jesus. Immediately, today is the day of repentance. Amen? I'd like you to stand this morning with me. Did you guys get this this morning? When we were in Florida, there was a husband and a wife. They moved there from Chicago. Very wealthy family. He owned several businesses. He drove the S-Class Benz. Awesome. 52, 53 years old. His name was Charlie. They had three boys. One was in college, two, two in high school. But the mom following Jesus, Judy, just loved the Lord, just praying for her boys and her husband, who everyone loved, but she knows he wasn't right with Jesus. He would occasionally go to church, and everyone loved Charlie when he came to church. Great guy. Just awesome. Super funny. Just loving guy. But for 20 years, she prayed for him to get right with Jesus. 20 years. Some of us give up on our spouse or our family after 20 minutes, right? They'll never change. I got married last year. They still haven't changed. <laughs> Give it time. Give it time. Been married 33 years. She's almost there. I'm just kidding. It's just a little joke. It's just a little joke. It's a little, just a little joke. <laughs> they, started, they came to Fort Myers, and uh, we started meeting Charlie and I and one of the sons, and Five, six months after we just started counseling, just hanging out together, he called me up and says, hey, let's go to lunch. So on a Friday, he came and gave his heart to the Lord. He goes, I get it. I finally get it, man. I get, I get why my wife was praying for me. I get it. I know I'm, I know I'm a good guy, but I'm going to hell. He goes, but not today. I ain't doing that. He goes, no, no more. Two days later, we had water baptism at the church. It's a church about 3,500 people. He's staying in getting water baptized, the little doors open, boom, he looked at his three boys who came in, one came into town, the other two were already there, see dad get water baptized. Because it was mom's religion, right? It's mom's walk with Jesus, but yeah, we're going to egg him on. He opens these, the doors open up, water, he goes, boys, I was wrong, I was right. There's only one way. As everyone's crying, all these things like that, Kelly and I went to a district uh, council meeting up in Florida of the Assemblies of God that following day. Tuesday night, it was two days. We came back Tuesday night. I was preaching the next day on Wednesday night. She called me, 2, 8, 2 3 o'clock in the morning and said, where are you at? I'm on the expressway driving back and from Tampa. She goes, can you come here? Charlie's having a heart attack. Got to the house 15, 20 minutes later. MEs are there. The police are there. Charlie had died in their bed, 53 years old. The boys... One had just went back uh, to college, and the other two are sitting there. They're in another room crying. Mom's sitting there with a smile on her face with some tears running down. And I'm like, oh, you got to be in shock. you got to be in shock. With, you know, I just like, God, help me out here. And I brought one of my, I called one of my friends. I, 
um, did a lot of sports with and just a godly man. We he said, you know, just help me be here to support this. I mean, he just came to Jesus five days ago. I said, Judy, what, I don't know what to say to you. What can I do? She goes, no, she goes, just thank you. I go, well, no, I, I wanted to be here. She goes, no, five days ago, Charlie's not in heaven. For 20 years, I've been praying for him. But she lived a consistent and godly, just like Noah did in front of his children. He built not knowing when it was coming. He built and he didn't care who was making fun. She trusted. She asked anyone to pray for her husband to come into his life. She was desperate for her husband to see heaven. At his funeral, she goes, come, come, come back to Chicago. Do the funeral. Did the funeral. He was one of nine. She was one of nine. Both Catholic families. We're in a church, not a Catholic church. It was a non-denominational church. Three, four hundred people are there. No one knew that he just got water baptized. No one knew that he had got saved in his family. I showed the, I showed the video of him getting water baptized a couple Sundays prior. Read some emails. Everyone's like, Charlie? 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 I said, you know what? With every eye open, everyone looking for Who wants to see Charlie. You know, you could, there's only one way to see Charlie ever again, and that's to the person of Jesus Christ. I asked people who wanted to follow. I made it is, I, this is the most difficult I ever made a salvation call in my life. And I, as I was saying it, I couldn't believe I was making it this difficult. I said, this is, this is, this is the beginning of the rest of your life. It's a continuous walk and growing in the knowledge of who he is. And I just, I don't want to... 63 people raised their hands to receive Christ after a 45-minute sermon at a funeral. Judy, yes, thank God. Judy and her three boys sitting in front, and I'd read a letter that she had sent me prior to him dying. She said, I'd always prayed for Charlie. He has, he's such the life of the party. If he would just get saved, he would have such great influence through his businesses and workers and employees. She goes, if he would just do that. So I said, I go, everyone just raise your hand, just stand, just leave your hands up. I said, Judy, can you please stand up and turn around? As she looked and 63 people raised their hands, right behind her to her left was Charlie's brother, who is a Catholic priest raising his hands for salvation. She looked back at me and said, you, I'm reading this letter from you. You said if Charlie would just start serving Christ, he would have such a great impact. 63 people in one moment because of a changed life. They couldn't believe what the power of serving Christ, the Holy Spirit could do on one man just like that. Don't give up on your spouse. Don't give up on your kids. You don't know the day or the hour that you're going to die or when the rapture is going to come. Be found like Noah, consistent, habitually righteous. Go make witness. Go be a witness and go make disciples. I know that is the heart of your pastor. It's not about who's in this room. We come here to get strengthened. We get to meet on Sunday to go out Monday through Saturday to go make wit to go make disciples. We're disciples and witnesses. That's all we're supposed to do. That's all we're supposed to do. Get meat here and then go back out. Get meat in here and go back out. But that's his heart. Should be our heart as the church, the body of Christ. So right now, 
How many would say, just raise your hand right where you're at. Say, you know what, Pastor, pray for me. I don't know. The rapture would happen today. I don't know where I'd go. Just raise your hand right where you're at. I want to pray with you right where you're at. Anyone? It's okay. Anyone else to say, you know what, Pastor? And I'm going to ask you to come forward for anyone who says, I want to be like Noah. I want to keep building so my family sees me, that my friends see me, that I'm full of faith until the time of them. I'm going to ask you to come forward. We're going to pray over you right now. I want that person, that regardless of what's going on in my life, I want my family to see me, that I believe that Jesus is coming, that I, I have faith that judgment's going to be here. These are the ark builders, everyone. These are ark builders. This is what we're called to do. You can come in. Come on. I'm showered. I'm clean. Everyone, come on. Come on in. Oh, come on. We're all church family. I'm from Michigan. It's fine. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Sneak it. Do you believe Jesus is coming? Think of right now, family or friends right now are not serving Jesus right now. Just think of them right now. You can't, you can't save them, but you can sure be that example. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that these examples that Jesus said, go look at Noah. He built that ark and didn't care who ridiculed him. He was found faithful. His sons saw it. His daughter-in-laws saw it. They still didn't have to go into that ark, but they saw it. They saw mom and their faithfulness and said, I, I, I've never seen it rain before, but God told me to do this. God told me to get ready for judgment. Father, I pray an anointing right now. Pastor Paul, right now in Jesus' name. For the direction of what you've called me, what you have equipped him in this church right now to impact this area, that this church becomes an ark that they could see it's line upon line. And this line, it keeps getting higher and higher. And they see this gopher wood being built. They know something's going on there. These people actually believe that Jesus is coming. They actually believe in holiness. They actually believe that we're going to be judged at the time of the end. It's not based on our attendance. It's based upon how we live our lives. Father, I pray for anointing on the staff and for everyone in this church to be a light in the midst of the darkness that's going on around this world, that they have a peace in them that Jesus said we could have because he's already told us what's going to take place. Father, I pray for family. I pray for some of the members of my own family who know better and they're not serving you right now in Jesus' name. Father, I pray as the Holy Spirit, he said, it won't, let him, it won't let him sleep easy. God, I pray right now for my brother. He can't go to bed early tonight because you're going to shake him right now in his sleep. Father, in Jesus' name, bring his heart back towards you. Father, I don't want to play church. I want to be the church. The church is full of compassion. It's full of love. It doesn't give up on people. Noah never gave up. Noah never gave up. Not, not year 20, 25, 30. He kept going to the end. And he was saved. Father, may we look at others the way you look at us. And you see us. Your children. You know what we've been through. May we not look at other people and judge their past, but we look forward to the future just as the Holy Spirit will remind us of things that are going to happen in the future.
May we see people how you see them. Father, even as this week continues, as we go through the signs of your return, this is not doom and gloom. It's the most exciting time that should spur us on to what, God, what can we do? Because the world is looking for answers and your word is the answer. Your word has all, contains all the answers in the word for such a time as this. And we need to know it because we can get weary in doing what is right. We can get faint at our jobs. The pressures. Father, I pray for anyone struggling physically right now in their body. Father, healing touch on the body. If you're struggling physically right now, I just want you to raise your hand right now. If there's a physical touch you need, just raise your hands all the way around, just right now. Open your eyes, everyone. Everyone's raising their hands right now. If you just lay a hand on them right now. God is not taking time off from healing people because he's so busy with the end time events. God is not taking time off. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Father, for those hands raised right now, you know the physical needs of what's going on right now in Jesus' name. You are still the healer. You are still the restorer. Father, I pray right now that faith arise right now for those hands that are raised. Because it's by faith their hands are raised. Because if you believe, you said if you would believe by faith and just ask, and just ask, Father, whatever the timing is, however you choose to do the healing, that's on you. But will we have the faith to believe it? And our response is that we pray by faith, we raise our hands by faith, we lay hands on each other by faith. Father, for those hands that are raised and also for those who need financial just guidance, Father, financial wisdom, a financial miracle. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray right now that something's going to happen. They had no idea. Father, whether it be a job, I don't know what that is, but you can change things in a moment. Overnight, just like Judy's husband, Charlie, in one moment over lunch, boom, it all changed for him five days before he goes to eternity. Like the person on the cross that last day, he looked at Jesus, what must I do? Never give up. Never give up on your finances. Never give up on that healing in Jesus' name. Never give up on relationship. I pray right now for husbands and wives across this church right now, listening online. God's a restorer of relationships. God is a restorer. For many of those people in here, I could probably give testimony to what God has done in their lives and in their marriage. Father, I pray for openness right now across this church that they can speak into each other's lives about what following God's word will do in a relationship. It's not about the other person. It's about how we look at your word, God, and how we discern, are we living right according to your word? Thank you for the spirit that was in this room today. Thank you for the anointing that's on every single one of us because your word does not return void. Father, I pray for lives to never be the same when they walk out of here today because they know you're coming and their job is to be their disciple, to go witness because Jesus, you're coming and I can't wait. I can't wait. Pastor Paul, if you'd like to come and close. I'm really, really excited for this week. I believe this this was a taste of the honey. <laughs> and uh, if you have any way possible to come this week to be a part of this, this was introductory. I believe that uh, 
God wants to reveal to us the urgency and necessity to step in and be who God's called us to be. We see and hear the words woke, but it's time for the church to get woke. (laughs) Amen. Yeah, well, it's awakened. In a righteous sense. We need to be aware of what is going on. I don't think that we're unaware, but I don't think we are to the level of action that we need to be. And it's time. Amen. I think you've heard my heart over the past few weeks of really recognizing the necessity to reach out. I believe this is this is the meat that will help us understand why. So thank you, Brother Grant. Thank you, Kelly, for coming. Um, Let's dig in this week. Make a way. Clear your schedule. I've always said, as a youth pastor for 12 years, I hear people say every excuse in the book. I said if it was a concert that you wanted to go to, you would make a way. If it was a baseball game or a football game that you wanted to go to, you would make a way. Because we do what we want to do. I'm encouraging you to want to be here. So make a way. It's going to be good. Invite some friends. Invite family. Invite some people who may not be where they need to be with the Lord. This week is an eye-opener. This is evangelistic. Amen. Father, it's 6 tonight and 6.30 Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday here. Um, If you would like to come to my house on Monday night, uh, I know it's going to bombard the office, but if you will let Kathy know so we can have somewhat of an expectation of how many's coming, because we want to make sure that we have a layout for all of you who want to be there. All right? Um, Yes. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful, encouraging word. Lord, we are living in such exciting times. It's easy to be discouraged, you know, because we see what's going on. But Lord, in reality, this is an encouragement for us to be who you've called us to be to be the witnesses and to make disciples that you've called us uh, as a, a commission for us to follow. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that in, in every way, God, that you would uh, use us, that we would be available to be used by you. Lord, that in every arena that we find ourselves, in every stream that we flow in, God, that we will be the righteous men and women of God that you've called us to be. Lord, representing you as ambassadors of the kingdom of God to a world who doesn't understand, who doesn't know. God, let us carry the message of Christ Jesus. Let us be bearers. As Paul the apostle says, I bear in my body the marks. I pray that we bear the signs, Lord, that we understand and are willing to submit to your will and your way, God, to put aside every weight that may so easily entangle us, God. Let us put aside everything that would hinder our walk with you and let us live according to your word and your plan. Let your word 
cleanse and purge us. Search us. As David cried out, search us, O Lord, and see if there be any wicked way in us. God, cleanse us. Use us. Fill us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Tonight we will have a, we will have a, a, a table set up with uh, manuals that you're able to uh, get that you can follow along during the week. It's going to be a great time. God bless you. Love you.